He is so wonderful. He is, we're here to worship His majesty. Worship His majesty. He's the King of kings, Lord of lords. Let's lift Him up today. Majesty, worship His majesty. Please be seated. Good morning, Bridesburg. And it is good to see you this morning. So glad that you can be here with us. And we are here for one purpose, and that is to worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And for those of you joining us through television or through Facebook Live, we'd like to welcome you this morning as well. I'm Brother Brad Walker. I'm the pastor here at Bridesburg Baptist Church, and we're so glad that you can join us today. For those of you, again, on Facebook Live, love to hear from you, love to know that you're with us this morning. So just go down there to the comment section and let us know that you're here. If there's a way that we can pray for you, uh, maybe something that we can uh, minister to you in, uh, let us know about that as well. we got folks that are monitoring there in that comment section, and they'd love to reach out to you this morning. Perhaps this is your first opportunity to be with us here at Brinesburg. If that be the case, uh, we want to welcome you in a special way this morning as well. And you'll notice in the pew in front of you, there is a card if you'll fill that out. And uh, there is an offering plate in the foyer uh, on that table as you're walking out the middle door. If you'll just place that card there in that uh, offering plate, we'd appreciate that. And it uh, helps us know of your attendance, but more importantly, how we can pray for you, minister to you and your family. And we are very glad to have you this morning. Again, uh, several different opportunities for you to be able to give here at Brinesburg. Uh, we got that plate in the back as you're leaving, or you can go to brinesburgbaptist.org, and there at the top right-hand corner, you'll see the Give button. And again, Brinesburg, thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. It has been amazing um, over these past few months how faithful you have been in making sure that we can do the ministry and the missions the Lord has called us to do, and it's all because uh, of the faithfulness that we have in, in our givers here at Brinesburg. And so thank you once again in that area. 
Again, uh, many things going on uh, um, announcement-wise. Very excited this afternoon at 4.30, uh, we will be resuming our choir ministry. And I'm so excited about that. And so many of you uh, know that you are in the choir. And as I've been saying, some of you may not know it yet, uh, but you are. And uh, we want you to get plugged in this afternoon at 4.30. Going to begin uh, practicing as the choir will begin leading again in worship. Uh, but also getting ready for our uh, 4th of July Celebrate America program. And so we are excited about that. Not many weeks to be able to get that together. And so um, if you recognize that you have a voice and you'd like to use that voice to worship and to lead in worship, uh, we'd love for you to be in this choir. It's an important ministry. It's a vital ministry within our church, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. And so they'll be in here at... for right now, uh, in here at 4.30 this afternoon, and we want you to be plugged in. Um, also, Vacation Bible School. Uh, we are so excited about Vacation Bible School coming up June the 21st through the 25th. First of all, if you have children, grandchildren, maybe you bring some of the neighborhood kids with you uh, during Vacation Bible School week, we want you to begin to sign them up. Again, you can go to bryansburgbaptist.org. And you'll see the big banner right there uh, on the front page. Click on that, and it'll take you into the registration. It's a very simple process to get them registered. That's going to help us to know our number and to help us plan better. And so if you can begin to get them uh, registered. And then also, if you would be willing to work in any way as a teacher, uh, as someone who'd lead the classes from place to place in one of our areas like crafts or, or recreation or KidVid or any of those uh, areas of service or maybe in the kitchen uh, wherever you think that you might be able to be used or you're just saying you know what you tell me where to be used Uh, we'd love for you to get plugged in Uh, go and talk to uh, Allison Adamson and she can get you plugged into one of those areas of ministry and it is always amazing to be able to minister to those kids during vacation Bible school week we always have kids come to know Christ during that week it is an awesome week it's a week that will bless you and we want you to be a part of it again this year And then again, also this evening, we'll be having our business meeting, and so take note of that after our time of worship this evening. So a lot going on. Make sure that you do uh, read your bulletin. Again, we have many on our prayer list today. I'm sure that you have mentioned others in your uh, Sunday school hour, and we certainly do want to lift them up. Uh, But again, as a church family, our number one priority is to share the gospel with those who have not yet heard. To share the gospel with those the Lord has laid upon our hearts. That may be someone who lives inside of our house. It may be one of our family members. It may be a friend. It may be a neighbor. It may be a, 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 a co-worker or a classmate. But we want to share the gospel with them in a way that makes sense. In a way they can understand that they might be able to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. And so we pray for the Holy Spirit to do the work that only He can do. But then we want to be obedient in sharing. And so let's pray again for those opportunities in the coming week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, it is sweet to be in your house today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to lift up our hearts and our voices to you in praise. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to to just celebrate the the achievements of life this morning. Uh, Lord, for the achievements of our seniors in high school. Uh, Lord, you've been good to us, and you've blessed us with some wonderful young people, and we want to send them uh, out into this next stage of their life in in a great way. So, Lord, we're we're so thankful for the opportunity to do that this morning. Lord, we lift up the needs of this church family and the folks that are related to us. Lord, you know the medical needs. Lord, you know the families that are in crisis because of relationships that are broken right now. In, In the world's eyes, it might look like they're broken beyond repair, but nothing is impossible with our God. 
And so we pray for reconciliation and for healing in that area. Lord, some folks that are struggling financially right now, and, and they just need to know that you are the great provider and to know that you've got an answer. And you do. And so, Lord, we pray for them this morning. But most importantly, we pray for the lost. Lord, we pray for that one that we love dearly, that we care for so much. And, Lord, you've laid them on our heart. And, Lord, help us to share faithfully that gospel message. But also, it may be somebody that we don't even know, but you're going to present us with the opportunity to share with them this week. And we don't necessarily know how that's going to take place. But, Lord, help us to be ready. Help us to be ready in season and out of season to share the hope that is within us to your honor and to your glory. So now as we sing, as, as we spend time and study your word, have your will and have your way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, that precious name, the powerful name of Jesus. It's your name, Lord. Let's praise him. As morning dawns and evening fades, you inspire songs of praise to rise from earth to touch your heart and glorify your name. Your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name is a shelter like no other. Your name, let the nations sing it louder, cause nothing has the power your name Jesus in your name we pray <clears throat> come and fill our hearts today Lord give us strength to live for you and glorify your name come on. your This is always a bittersweet Sunday as we have the opportunity to celebrate our graduates but also to know uh, that our graduates are headed for that next stage in life. And so this morning uh, we have one graduate and that is Isabella Hodges. And Isabella, if you'll come on up here, or as we know her, Izzy. And we are so proud uh, of her accomplishments. You can come on up here, Patrick, as well. And uh, this morning we're going to be presenting her. Uh, with what we present every year, which is an apologetics Bible. 
as she gets ready to go off to college. And so Isabella Don Hodges is our graduate here in the class of 2021. And Isabella will be attending the University of Kentucky. And she'll be majoring. Yeah, that's right. Go Cats! And she's going to be majoring in psychology and pursuing a career to become a physician's assistant. And uh, we have already called UK and their Baptist campus ministry. They know she's coming, and they're coming for her. I told them what a talented young lady she is, and so uh, we're excited about that. And so with Patrick up here with you, uh, we want to pray for you, Isabella, this morning. We just want to pray for the Lord uh, and the next steps that he's going to allow you to be a part of so many different ministries and opportunities and missions. And so we want to pray for you as we really send her out as a missionary onto the campus of the University of Kentucky. Let's pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you so much for Isabella. Lord, she means so much to us, and she's been a part of our children's ministry and a part of our youth ministry and uh, just so much a part of our lives. And so, Lord, as, as she graduated Friday from high school, Lord, we know the next step is a big one, is she's going to be headed out, out to the University of Kentucky and going to be several hours away from us, but Lord, we know uh, that you've got a plan for her, and Lord, I know that you're going to give her gospel opportunities, Lord, you're going to give her missions opportunities there in Lexington, and uh, Lord, we pray for her in in a great way, Lord, that you would present her with Christian friends, Lord, you would give her opportunities to find folks that can continue to disciple her, uh, to find a good church home there in Lexington, and Lord, that she would be used by you in a powerful, powerful way. She is such a talented young lady, and we pray that you might uh, just use these next four years to shape her into the young lady that you would have her to be. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's continue in worship. I am just so amazed at what Jesus has done for me. Why would he do what he did for me? And he's done it for you. Let's stand together as we say, I stand amazed in the presence of singing. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Sing it out. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. sweat drops of blood for mine. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very I lash 
Children, it's been great to have you in service. We're going to dismiss you at your time as you go to Children's Church. So, guys, you can go on as our praise team comes up. They've got a beautiful song of worship about the name of the Lord. So, we'll listen to that. singing your name this morning and that was not planned the God thing I guess we're going to do kind of with the same message we're going to sing what a beautiful name so if you know this song sing it with us it's definitely a worship song you were the word at the beginning one with God, the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you, our Christ. What, what a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The
Amen. It always is amazing how God just kind of puts together our entire worship experience and directs us towards the Word of God that is about to be proclaimed because this morning uh, we're going to be focusing on that name that is above every name. We're going to be focusing on the name of Jesus as we look at the end uh, as it is declared here in Revelation chapter 14 and as we look at the end which is the Son of Man returns. The returning of Jesus Christ in a triumphant way. He is worthy, and that's what we're going to be seeing this morning as, met as well. Revelation chapter 14, and we'll be looking at verses 14 through 20 today. And so if you will, please turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation 14, and let's go to the Lord and pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you again for the opportunity to praise you through song, to lift up our hearts and voices to you, to spend time in prayer, to spend time in celebration of, uh, of the accomplishments of life, Lord. You've been good to us, Lord. You've blessed us richly with some amazing young people. And Lord, this morning as we study your word, I pray that you would stir our hearts. In particular, I pray that you'd stir the hearts of those who are here this morning. And Lord, they not, might not know it yet, but they're here by divine appointment because they're lost. And you desire for them to be saved. And you desire for them to know your great love and, and what it means to have a relationship with you. And so even right now, I pray that their hearts are being prepared, that they're recognizing their sin and, and, and recognizing their need to repent of that sin, to turn away from that sin and, and to cry out to you for salvation. But Lord, I also know that I've got some brothers and sisters in Christ and they're not here by accident either. Lord, you have a word for them today as well. And so Lord, today I pray that you might hide me behind the cross that only you would be seen and only you would be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we have journeyed over the last several months through the book of Revelation, I hope that you've begun to recognize that the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. If you're trying to read it in chronological order, you're going to be very confused. Uh, but that's not the way that this particular book is written. We see here that the first three chapters tell of our Lord's letters to the seven actual churches uh, that existed in John's day. And those chapters painted a very clear picture for us as well of all churches all the way from Pentecost here to the rapture. And then in chapters 4 through 11, it tells us about the history of the tribulation period, the history of it. It takes us all the way from the beginning uh, to the end of that terrible seven-year period of time. And then over the last several weeks in verses 12 through 14, in those chapters, uh, we have seen uh, that, that it takes us back to the beginning of the tribulation. These chapters give us the same time period, but it gives it to us, if you'll remember, in a very, in a very different perspective. We're no longer simply looking at a, the historical events of that time period, but now we're confronted with the particular characters in these years. And through a series of seven visions, we have seen John take us again through those days of the tribulation. And so this morning... We are looking at the seventh of those seven visions. These verses close out the polls and the action that we have seen from chapters 12 through 14. And so when this chapter ends, we're going to be going back. We're going to be thrown back into the heat of the horrors of the final days of the tribulation. But before we deal with those things, we see here that John gives us a vision of our Lord when he finally returns in power and in great glory. When Jesus came the first time, he came as a savior. He came to give his life on the cross so that sin might be paid for and that sinners might be able to be set free. 
And when he comes the second time, he's coming as judge. He is coming to destroy sin. He's coming to destroy Satan and all those who stand in defiance of God. When Jesus returns, he will come in power and in glory and in judgment. And none will be able to withstand him. There will be no cross for Jesus the next time that he comes. But there will be a crown. There will be no tree for him to hang upon, but rather there will be a throne for him to sit upon. And so with that in mind this morning, let's turn to, in our Bibles to Revelation chapter 14, verses 14 through 20. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. John relates this. And I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle and another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud thrust in thy sickle and reap for the time is come for thee to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe and he that sat on the cloud thrust his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped and another angel came out in the temple which is in is in heaven he also having a sharp sickle and another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the, the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and he gathered the vine of the earth, and he cast it into the, and he cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden, without the city, and the blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse's bridles, for the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. You may be seated. This is a pretty dramatic scene that unfolds before John's eyes here. And the first thing we see here in verse 14 is the Lord and his returning. The first image that we're given is of the Lord himself sitting upon a cloud wearing a crown with a sickle in his hand. So that's a lot to take in. Let's take that detail by detail together. First we see his person. There is no doubt of whom John is writing. He is writing about the Son of Man. And as you may remember this was one of the great titles given to the Lord Jesus when he came to the earth the first time. Jesus used that title to refer to himself 84 times in the Gospels. It was the way that he most often referred to himself during his ministry. This title identifies Jesus with mankind. It is his human title, and it speaks of his suffering. It speaks of his service. It speaks of his sacrifice. When John sees the Son of Man in the clouds, he is seeing the one who came to this earth, the one who gave his life as a ransom for sin. John, no doubt here, is seeing the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Of course, we're promised that Jesus Christ will come in this fashion. John is giving us a preview of, of that glorious day when Jesus Christ will return, and he will return in great glory, and he will return in great power. But also we see his position we see his position. When John sees Jesus, he sees him wearing a golden crown. 
This word crown here translates from the word for a victor's crown. It refers to the laurel wreath that would be given out to the victor in the ancient Olympic Games. That There would be only one victor, only one ultimate winner. And that is the word that is used here because he is the great victor. And the fact that this crown is golden identifies to us that the wearer of this crown is not just simply an athlete, it's not just simply another man, that the wearer of this crown is the king. When John sees Jesus Christ this time, he does not see a carpenter. When, when John sees Jesus this time, he does not see a humble Jewish rabbi. When, when John sees Jesus this time, he does not see Jesus of Nazareth. When, when, when John sees Jesus this time, he doesn't see the son of Mary. But rather, when John sees Jesus here, he sees the king of kings. He sees the Lord of lords. He sees the one who invaded Satan's territory and carried off a great victory. He sees the one who walked valiantly into the jaws of death, shed his blood on the cross, and defeated sin and Satan and liberated sinners. He sees the one who walked victoriously out of the tomb on the third day. John sees the king who has come to take possession of his domain. When Jesus comes back, there's going to be no debate, okay? When Jesus comes back, the United Nations isn't going to have to convene to decide whether or not that he can reign. When Jesus comes back, he, he will be wearing a golden crown of a victor. Meaning, all battles have already been fought, and he is the winner. Jesus will not rule by the will of men. He will rule by the right of creator, because he is creator, he is Lord, he is Savior, he is King. But also we see his power. When John sees the king, he sees one who has a sharp sickle in his hand. Now that's an interesting image that John sees. A sickle is an instrument that was used in the harvesting of wheat. When Jesus returns, he is coming to both gather his people into the barn as a farmer gathers his wheat. And he is also coming to cut down the wicked like a farmer cuts down his wheat. He will see this truth unfold in, two, in a few verses. But for now, we just need to be said that Jesus can either be your savior or he can be your judge. That, that those, are the, those are the only two options, as we've said before. When it comes to, to your relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no middle ground. There's no fence sitting here. He will be one or the other. He will either be your Savior or he will be your judge. And if you receive him in these days of grace, then you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are saved and that he will take you to heaven. It is as good as done, Okay? Because once you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, once you have truly been saved out of death and into life, you are his. But if you reject him, if you reject him, there is nothing left for salvation. He will stand in judgment of your life one day. He will either be your savior or he will be your judge. And the choice this morning is yours. But secondly, I want you to look with me at verses 15 through 19. And here we see the Lord and his reaping. The next four verses unfold our Lord's plan to bring judgment on this earth. And when he came the first time, he came as a savior. He moved through this world sowing the seed of the gospel of grace. When he returns, he will return as a reaper. He will separate the saints from the sinners. He will take the saints home to heaven 
and the sinners will be cast into hell. There are two harvests described in these verses. Harvest time throughout the Bible is often pictured with the souls coming to God for salvation. But in, in these verses, the harvest is, is used as a picture of judgment. So let's see what these verses have to say about the harvest of the Lord and how it's going to be a reaping day. These two verses describe the Lord Jesus thrusting his sickle to reap the earth. The, word is, the world here is pictured as a field of wheat, and it is ready to be harvested. The Lord takes his sickle, and we're told that he begins to reap this field. What we're seeing in these verses is the fulfillment of the parable that Jesus gave in the gospel of Matthew chapter 13 verses 24 through 30. Jesus told the parable of the wheat and the tares. It is a story of a farmer who sows a wheat field with good wheat, with good wheat seed, expecting to weep a bountiful harvest. But his enemies come and they sow tares among the wheat. So, so the seed that, that, that was sown first was good seed. But then the enemy comes and he sows tares. Now, the servants want to pull out the tares immediately. But the wise farmer knew that doing so would also destroy the wheat. So his counsel for both was to grow together until the time of harvest. And the tares could be gathered and burned and the wheat could be gathered and placed into the farmer's barn. In that same chapter, in verses 36 through 43, Jesus told his disciples what the parable actually meant. The good seed represents genuine believers, while the tares clearly represent to us false believers. The good seed represents the saved. The tares represent the lost. The problem with the wheat and the tares is that the two cannot be, told, cannot be separated. They can't be told apart. While they are growing, it's hard to distinguish which is which. The tares look just like wheat until it is matured. The difference between the two plants becomes clear when it comes to harvest time. The head, or the top, of the tare turns black and it stands up straight. It is filled with little tiny black seeds that can cause nausea or even death. It's actually a, a, a natural nauseant. And when tares are harvested with the wheat... Every kernel must be inspected. The wheat, on the other hand, it has a head that is full of heavy kernels of wheat. And so these kernels cause the head of the wheat plant to bend towards the earth. Now, isn't that interesting, that, that, that picture that is here? The, ter the tares stand straight up while the wheat bow. And that's exactly how it is. As believers, we willingly bow our knee before the Lord Jesus Christ for what he has done for us. But for those who do not have a relationship with Christ, they, they stand up proudly thinking that there is, is nothing that they need from Jesus, that they are self-made men and women. But there will come a day when they too will be forced to bow during the time of judgment. One day Jesus will gather his wheat and the genuine believers unto himself. The wicked will be cut down and cast into the furnace of fire. The judgment of the Lord is coming, and the Lord knoweth them that are his, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 2.19. This word ripe, that is an interesting word. It means to be dry, to be withered. It speaks of the crop that is, that is overripe. 
And what a picture of grace and long-suffering of God that this is. The harvest of sin has been ripe since the very first sin was committed there in the Garden of Eden. And yet God in His grace, God in His love and in His mercy has withheld judgment, giving lost men and women ample time to repent. Anytime anybody says, you know, why is Jesus tarrying so long? Why has Jesus not returned for his church? Why have we not yet seen the rapture? The answer to that is grace. The answer to that is mercy. How many of us have a loved one that, that does not yet know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? How many of us have someone that we are still praying for that does not yet have that relationship with Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ? How many of us would, would be devastated if they were to die and to go to hell? Well, if the rapture came, the same result. And so it is because of his great mercy and his great grace that he has withheld that time of judgment from, from lost men and women. But one day his patience will be exhausted and the judgment will come on sinners. And so you need to search your heart and give diligent to make sure your calling and election are sure. We, we see here in verses 17 through 19. The reaping of the grapes. This scene changes and, and we move from the field of wheat into a vineyard here. The lost are compared here to a field of grapes that are ripe to the place of bursting. They are ready, beyond ready, to be harvested. And when the grapes are harvested, they are placed into a wine press. And of course, in those days, grapes were processed by placing them into a wine press. And a wine press usually consisted of two vats that would be connected by a channel. And so the grapes were placed into that upper chamber, and then people would literally uh, climb into that wine press using their feet to crush their grapes. Uh, and that would extract the juice. And so you would get in there and, and you would stomp those grapes until all the juice had come out of every single grape. The juice would then run out of that upper vat through the channel and down into the lower vat where it would be collected for the, price, for the process of winemaking. Again, we're given a picture of a world that is slated for judgment. This world has rejected Jesus, the true vine. They have uh, attached themselves to the vine of this world. And we see here that they have drunk deeply of the wine of sin and have rejected the God of glory. The world has rejected God. The world has rejected his son, Jesus. But one day, one day, he will come and they will face him in judgment. He will crush the world system and all those who hold to it under his feet. Just as we see this picture of a man crushing the grapes to extract the juice. This is the very image Isaiah paints for us of the coming king in Isaiah chapter 63. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming in wrath and in judgment. And when that day comes, there will be no escape for the sinner. The enemies of God will be thrown into the winepress of the wrath of God. And they will be judged. Church, that day is coming. And that is why we must do everything in our power to take the gospel message to those that we know do not yet know him as Savior and as Lord. Whether that is spouse, whether that is child, whether that is grandchild, brother, sister, next door neighbor, maybe a neighbor you don't even know by name. That's why we must take the gospel. Because a day of judgment is coming. Do we really believe that? 
We say we believe that, but do we live it out? Do, do our actions say that we really believe God's word, that this day is actually coming? You see, thirdly, we see in verse 20, the Lord and his reckoning. Oh, the picture that is painted here. Verse 20 concludes John's vision. And verse 20 gives us some insight into where this great judgment is going to take place. There is coming a day of reckoning, and this verse gives us some much-needed insight into the horrible events of that day. First, we see the place of his reckoning. The place of his reckoning. These verses tell us that the winepress was trodden without the city. Now, that does not tell us exactly where these events will take place. However, what we are seeing in these verses are a vision of a coming battle that is known as the Battle of Armageddon. According to Revelation 16, 16, a terrible battle will take place here at Armageddon. Armageddon means the hill of Megiddo. Megiddo is located in the plains of Esdralon. And this location is the site of many famous battles uh, throughout Bible history. If you've read through the Old Testament, then you recognize this, this place. It is where uh, Barak and, and Deborah defeated the Canaanites. It's, it's here that Gideon uh, defeated the armies of, of, of Midian. Uh, this same valley is the place where both King Saul and his son Jonathan were killed in battle in 1 Samuel chapter 31. Those of you who are reading through the scriptures with us in a year, we just read through that, that uh, very battle. King Josiah also met his death in the, in, in the valley of Megiddo. In, in 2 Chronicles chapter 35. And it's the same valley where the armies of the earth will come together in their, in their desire to destroy the king of kings. Just as men have been fighting against God since the beginning, they will continue here at Armageddon desiring to destroy God. It is here in this place that Napoleon described as a natural battlefield, that the final battle of the earth will be fought. But secondly, we see the pain of his reckoning. We're told that the wine press will be trodden. That word means to crush with the feet. This is a very vivid description of what Jesus will do to those who have despised him, those who have rejected him. And you say, well, well, you know, I, I'm not rejecting Jesus. I'm just not ready to make a decision for Jesus today. You've rejected Jesus then. If you've decided to, to, re, to reject his offer today of salvation, you have rejected him. There, there's not two, two ways about it. You may not be a horrible person in the eyes of the world, but you are a person who has rejected Jesus. And so that's what's going to happen here. Like a man crushing grapes in a wine press, he will crush the enemies of God under his feet. This is a promise that is given in the word of God. And God always keeps his promises. A person can either be crushed under the feet or be held in his arms. You see that? Jesus desires to hold you in his arms. But if you reject him, then you become an enemy. A person can either be crushed or held. The sinner can either be the focus of God's wrath or the focus of God's great grace. If I were you this morning, I would certainly desire to be saved. 
I would certainly desire to miss this terrible time of judgment. I would certainly rather run into the arms of a loving father than to stand before a holy and righteous judge and be crushed. That's what is, those are the choices. And God has done everything, everything in his power to rescue you from this terrible time. Everything. He allowed his son to be crushed for you so that you would not have to experience this terrible time. But if you reject him, if you push him away, if you say no to Jesus, that is your choice. But then we also see the permanence of his reckoning. The permanence. Now what do we mean by that? What we are witnessing here is the total destruction of the enemies of the Lord. This is not a probationary period. Well, once they go through enough suffering, then okay, it's okay for them to come to heaven. This is not a judgment that will be just lifted after a while. Okay, once you've served your sentence. This is the total destruction of the physical man. There will be no escaping this judgment. The image here is one of violence and of death. We're told that the blood will run as high as the horse's bridles. So if you measure that, that's somewhere between four and five feet deep. It will flow in a river of 1,600 furlongs. So if you, if you do the math on that, that is about 200 miles. So that's somewhere between here and Memphis, Tennessee. The blood flowing four to five feet deep for 200 miles. This is a river of blood flowing constant. Can you imagine such carnage? Can you, can you imagine? Our minds can't conceive that amount of, of bloodshed. It was said by Josephus that so much blood flowed through the streets of Jerusalem when, when Titus sacked the city that many of the fires that had been set to destroy Jerusalem were actually put out by the blood that poured from the bodies of all of those slain Jews. The armies of the world were gathered in that final attempt to defy God to his face. And Jesus, at that moment, will return. And by his very word, do you hear that? By his very word, he will destroy the enemies of God and tread down all in the winepress of his wrath. Oftentimes it's asked, why are we going to wear white robes into a battle? Because we're not going to be doing any fighting. All that's going to happen is Jesus will open his mouth and by his word, the battle will be won. And we are told here, that hundreds of millions of soldiers will die in this catastrophic battle of Armageddon. The blood of the fallen will fill the valley of Megiddo from Dan to the north of Beersheba in the south. Men have rejected the precious, saving, life-changing blood of Jesus. And now they will, vol- they will have to wallow in their own blood. The blood of Jesus saves. The, the blood of Jesus washes away our sin and his blood is offered to us but if we reject it if we say no to that amazing offer of salvation scripture tells us that there is no longer any way for us to be saved for there's only one way it is by the man named Jesus Christ there's only one way to be saved from death there's only one way to be saved from sin there's only one way to be saved from hell His name is Jesus Christ. We read these events, and we can't hardly comprehend 
such total and final devastation. And yet the Bible tells us very clearly time and time again that this time is coming. In fact, some of the Old Testament prophets wrote about these very events. This battle will take place and God will be totally and completely victorious. So I don't know whether any person in this room will be on this earth when this battle takes place. I can't promise you that 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 will take place within any of our lifetimes. I hope not. But I do know this. Some in this room may be where Joel speaks of in Joel 3.14. You this morning are in that valley of decision. This morning you need to decide whether you're going to claim the blood of Jesus Christ and the salvation that it supplies or whether you will face Jesus someday to shed your own blood in destruction when you are headed to an eternity in hell. His blood saves. Your blood condemns you to judgment in hell. Thousands of years ago in Egypt, God saved his people Israel by the blood of a lamb. They killed that lamb and they took the, the blood of that lamb and they, they painted it on the doorpost and the lintels of their houses. And by doing that, they were covered by the blood. And anyone who was inside of that home was saved from the death that was imminent that night. Listen to me this morning. You have that same decision today. Will you be covered by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ? Or will you choose to try to make it on your own on the outside? Will you try to do it on your own this morning? You're in the valley of decision. And this is the most important decision, not just of your life, but of your eternity. Will you say yes to Jesus or will you reject him? And you say, well, I'm not rejecting Jesus. Pastor, I'm just not ready today. Then you are rejecting him. There's no two ways about it. You either are accepting him or you are rejecting him. Which will it be today? Will you say yes to him? Or by your actions, will you say no? I know one thing. Each time you say no, it becomes a little easier to say no next time. And your heart becomes a little more callous. And then next week when you decide to say no, it becomes a little more callous. And a month from now when you decide to say no, it becomes a little more callous. And pretty soon your heart becomes hardened just like the heart of Pharaoh. And it's too late. And death will come and destruction will come with it. And there will be no opportunity to make another decision. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you the truth this morning. Jesus Christ came and died on a cross to save you from your sins and desires for you to have a relationship with him that changes everything. Will you say yes to him this morning? Some of us know we're lost and we've never never pretended to be anything but. We've, We've never come and said yes to Jesus. But some of us may have gone through the motions and you say, well, Brother Brad, you know, I walked an aisle and and I talked to a preacher one day and I've been baptized, but I don't really have a relationship with Jesus. What do I need to do? You need to be saved. You need to be saved today. It doesn't matter how many aisles you walk. It doesn't matter how many times you talk to the preacher. It doesn't matter how many times you get baptized. If you don't have a personal love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're lost. And you're not covered by the blood. 
Do you know Jesus Christ this morning? Does he know you in a personal way? The decision comes today. As you stand there in the valley of decision, what will be your answer? Lord, Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. And I thank you for the opportunity to study your word, to be encouraged by your word, but also to be warned by your word. Lord, I know this morning that I've got some friends that have not yet made this decision for you. They have not yet come to that place of turning away from their sin and a relationship with you being more important than them ruling their own life. That you take over, that you do the decision making. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they surrender all to you. They turn it over to you. And they say yes to lordship by the Lord in their life. Lord, I know there's other decisions that need to be made this morning. There may be some folks that just need to spend some time on their knees here at this altar. But Lord, we give you this time. Lord, speak to hearts as only you can. Cause folks to respond to this gospel message. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and as we sing, how's the Lord called you to respond this morning? decision. What decision will you make? It will either be for Jesus or against him. What will your decision be today? He's calling out to you. What will your decision be?